Hey, Shakes Pals! Happy Throwdown Thursday! And a Throwdown Thursday it's going to be because I have David Martinez on to chat Shakespeare's best burn or best insult. I'm so excited. Uh, David is the host of Audio Obscura podcast, which is a really fun show and a show that I got to be a guest on just last week. So go check them out at Audio Obscura Pod on social media and dot com. It's it was really a fun time. I had a huge blast and David is a great host. So definitely listen to that after you listen to this. Big congratulations to Will from last week for absolutely running away with uh, best hammy scene, hammiest scene. Not a single pity vote for me. He took them all for Pyramus and Thisbe, which makes sense. If you have not gone to patreon.com slash p2mpod yet to see his PowerPoint and our hammy scenes, also highly recommend Thank you all for being here. Thanks for being you. If you like what you hear, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Welcome to Protest Too Much, a Shakespeare showdown podcast where a guest and I go head-to-head each week, and you get to decide who wins. Okay, so today we are chatting uh, best burn or best uh, Shakespearean insults. And with me, I have conservation biologist and actor David Martinez. David, thank you so much for being here. Hello, thank you for having me. (laughs) So excited that you're here. Um, I got to work with David last summer in an online show, so it's really great to get to catch up with you again. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself and where people can find you. Sure. Um, uh, my name's David. You can find me in the suburbs of Kansas City, but don't come here because <laughs> pandemic. Um, but online, you can find me at uh, the podcast that I am a co-host on. It is called Audio Obscura. It is uh, an audio mystery podcast, so I do it with a, a former improviser friend of mine. We host this podcast, and we take turns every week coming up with a random like audio source from across the internet, so some weird thing that we've stumbled across. And we play short little clips for the other person slowly one at a time to try and get them to guess like what it is they think they're hearing, what the people are talking about, et cetera, where it might come from. Um, and it just very quickly becomes a silly, ridiculous commentary on this piece of insane audio that exists somewhere across the internet. Um, that so that's so audio obscure. Fun. Yeah, it's, it's a blast to do. Um, where are you on the internet? Just search um, audio yeah. obscura? Audio Obscura, yeah, you can search Audio Obscura or audioobscurapod.com is the website. Um, and we're, you can also just search Audio Obscura for and basically any podcast catcher. Heck yeah, I love that. Um, all right, so when I had proposed this to you, I talked a little bit about it can be like a single insult or the character who has just the best capacity for insults. So what direction did you take this in? Um, so split the difference. I did. Okay. <laughs> um, I chose single uh, character each for each of us that okay. has essentially a single insult that I want to talk about. But there's some of the longer insults in Shakespeare that I just really enjoyed. One that is that the one that I chose for myself is very near and dear to my heart. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think we can kind of, I'll, I'll leave it to you to, to tell me if you want to choose, if we want to move towards the character more but I think to me they're hand in hand with each other these long okay. insults are like so part of who these characters are and okay. I, I, I think f- they're great. feel like I know 
exactly where this is going. Okay. Um, but I'm going to ask you, uh, <laughs> David, who do you think is the character with the best, like, breadth of insults in Shakespeare? Like, overall, across, like, all or of Shakespeare and stuff. Okay, so yeah. my pick for this episode is uh, Kent from Lear. Um, not because of his breadth of insults overall, but because of a very specific uh, insult slash string of insults that he delivers in King Lear. Okay. Yeah. Fun. Um, who is my pick? Uh, your pick is going to be Falstaff. Yes. Um, I think that that one's a pretty self-explanatory <laughs> one. It's probably one of the more famous ones. And I actually, I'm, I chose this dynamic because I wanted to kind of argue against what is generally argued to be one of the more famous insults in Shakespeare, which is a lot. But this particular one from Falstaff that I chose for you is like one that I think it generally comes up if you do any search for a Shakespearean insult. Sure. Okay. Um, why don't you start with yours and then tell us why it's the best. Sure. So mine comes from Kent from King Lear in Act 2, Scene 2. It is a confrontation he has with Oswald, who's the, the servant for Goneril's household. And uh, they have met before, but Oswald doesn't remember this. And so Kent gets immediately irate that Oswald could not remember him. And just starts railing on Oswald. And I'm going to give the quote here. I apologize. It's what I have come to understand now as the longest insult in Shakespeare. <laughs> so it goes like this. A knave, a rascal, an eater of broken meats, a base, proud, shallow, beggarly, three-suited, hundred-pound, filthy, worsted-stocking knave, a lily-livered, action-taking knave, a whore-son, glass-gazing, super-serviceable, finical rogue, one trunk-inheriting slave, one that wouldst be a bod in way of good service and are nothing but the composition of a knave, beggar, coward, pander, and the son and heir of a mongrel bitch, one whom I will beat into clamorous whining if thou deniest the least syllable of thy addition. Thank you. The uh, the breath control, breath support there was really impressive. That was a... <laughs> I was trying to contain my madness. <laughs> okay. That is a trip. Yeah. Why Why do you think that's the best one? Uh, yeah. If not for length alone, what about it is the best? So you? I actually don't, f I mean, I think because, not because of length in, the ter in terms of like, oh, this is the best one that Shakespeare wrote because it's so long, but I love its length because of who it comes out of more than anything else. Kent, uh, for those, if anyone's unfamiliar with Lear, is, an, is like of Earl rank. He's an Earl of Kent. And he's he starts the play as a as a, a effectively a an advisor you know a right hand man of King Lear and then he gets banished right away and goes undercover and so in early Kent he's this very like wise sophisticated um, kind of calm demeanor man who tries to give rational advice to an already going crazy Lear and this comes out of I don't know where I don't I mean there are so many interpretations that I think can be had for it like. He is trying to he's trying to be a method actor, right? And he's just embracing <laughs> this disguise that he's put on. This or, is Gaius. Yeah. <laughs> I am undercover. I am a peasant. <laughs> um, but it just it blows my mind how the juxtaposition of this Kent versus who we know Kent to actually truly be. And it's such a like a pathetic excuse for insults. It's not a very academic or like brilliant uh, set of of like insults that he's actually delivering and he if you like read through it he's just saying the same stuff a bunch of different times so it's not intelligent but i i just love that juxtaposition 
Do you think maybe he picked some of it up from Lear's Fool in a way that like hanging out in that capacity with him kind of like gave him this limited capacity for like, so it's not, they're not super creative insults. Like they, they don't cover a lot of ground, but like they, it's like all the words he's learned in the past. Yes. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I think this is like a parent who is like, you're a doofus. That's what the kids are saying, right? (laughs) Doofus. That's what they're calling. That's what the, like the slang is for an idiot now. Yeah, it's definitely just words that Kent has picked up. From, he does not really know what he's saying. Yeah, I that's so fun. Um, I've never really thought about that scene in that way, about the fact that it is still Kent and he is this very respectable character that just kind of like plummets into this like weird fit of madness with Oswald. Like there's something about Oswald that really sets him off. Right. And so that's where I like one of my arguments for this insult string is the undeservedness. Right. So we, we do have like there's some banter between them in the earlier scene where they meet and Oswald like calls King Lear. Uh, he says my lady's mother. Right. He says who who is King Lear? He says my lady's mother. Like uh, or my lady's father rather. Sorry. So so he's just like saying that you're not really a king. You're just a father figure to to his uh, master or mistress. But like that is that deserving of this entire <laughs> Ken is so mad. I just I can't fathom ever being that angry at someone because I didn't even read. I read that that whole bit. And then Oswald has a quick response and Ken keeps going <laughs> like it goes on for a while to the point where it has one of the best little three. He calls him a horse son, Cullian Lee Barber monger monger, I believe, in the next line. Uh, so the insult kind of keeps going. But I just <laughs> for the sake of the podcast, I wanted to keep it somewhat <laughs> short. So just to be so, so mad at someone and just be struggling for like, I need more words to insult you how mad I am. Yeah. Um, I love it. Now, what is, what's mine? I'm okay. so excited. <laughs> yeah. So yours is a Falstaff quote and it is from yep. uh, Henry Four, part one. It is act two, scene four. And it is uh, a fairly famous one where he says, Splud, you starveling, you elf skin, you dried neat's tongue, you bull's pizzle, you stockfish. Oh, for breath to utter what is like thee. You tailor's yard, you sheath, you bowcase, you vile standing tuck. And then he gets cut off by Hal. Okay. So um, I was in Henry Four Part One a few years ago. And nice. I will tell you, so I played Hal. And this was the hardest scene of Shakespeare I have ever. Usually I like look at a page and I'm like, mm, got it memorized. It's fine. I had just the hardest time memorizing this scene because there are so because Hal tosses back so many insults as yeah. well in this and they just like come one after another after another and trying to remember cues like which insult do we do I jump in with what insult response and where does this end it never ends <laughs> dear listeners it never ends um i love this bit uh, from Falstaff. And I think for the opposite reason from what you argued, because it is so perfectly Falstaff. Mm. Like if you take a character and you're like, oh, describe this character in four lines. This is it. <laughs> well, it's missing <laughs> like the word you... <laughs> sack, which I think is important to Falstaff's character, but you're right. That's true. That's true. Um, but like there is so... Uh, um, there's so much... Uh, playfulness in this insult because none of these are uh none of these are cruel words 
they're all just vile or uh like spicy like none of them are really uh, inherently cruel um or like the the motivation for it isn't cruel and i think that's why this is such a good scene in general because the insults do keep going and going and going from both sides of them is because there's so much love between Falstaff and Hal. Like, there's so much understanding and mutual respect. And you, they go back and forth. Um, but it's all in, it's all from a place of fun. Yeah. Uh, and even the line that Hal has right after that, uh, he's like, okay, catch your breath. Catch right. your breath. So yeah. we can imagine Falstaff is like, Anna, Anna. <laughs> like, just trying to, trying to get these words out. But he can't go as long as Kent because he's not in nearly. As, as good, good as shape. shape. Yeah. Yeah. It's very <laughs> he true. He does not have the breath support to carry a string of insults that far. Right. No, you're right. But that the- is a sharp <laughs> contrast between the two. Because, like, Hal says, catch your breath. And then I think he tells him to keep going, doesn't he? So, like, he's prepared. It is out of love. Completely the opposite of Kent, which is just the most hate you could possibly have for someone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that be especially the way we uh, have kind of grown to treat Shakespearean insults in, you know, oh, here's a list that you can pick for your classroom and have kids yell at each other across the room. Like, I think we need to embrace the less cruel uh, (laughs) Shakespearean insults in a way that, like, makes them this fun and engaging activity that kids can be like, I'm sorry, a what? (laughs) Uh, And then, like, you don't want to get into... We're not going to go uh, into what Yushith Yubokes uh, really represents. We're just going to laugh at them and move on. Um, but we want to embrace the kind of entertainment or fun of them. And I think that is Falstaff to a T in a nutcase. In a, that's not a, <laughs> in a <laughs> nutshell. Yeah, there you go. In a, well, a case, a shell could be a case. He's <laughs> sure. a nutcase. Yeah, that's okay. That's where yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my brain's working on some level. It's just not the <laughs> right one, I think. Yeah, I love it. I I think the one thing that they kind of have in common is that Falstaff has this string of insults that are all very focused on the same thing. So I mean, in general, Shakespeare loves to have his insults be about like intelligence or uh, a physical trait, right? Like you're ugly or short or whatever. Um, and in this case, like a lot of these insults are all related to Hal's stature and like physical body, like how he's small and skinny and scrawny and stuff like that. And in many, much the same way, Ken's series of insults are all just the same thing. I also <laughs> repeat it over and over again, just variations on a knave. Um, so I guess they have that in common and they are both not thinking outside the box, I guess. Both Falstaff and Kent are just like railing on this one thing that they can't get over. Um, and you're right. I think... Um, we should embrace kinder insults. So <laughs> if there's a lesson for 2020, 2021, it's that we should insult people with a good heart, right? Is what <laughs> you're saying? Heart and well, good intentions. <laughs> it's funny that you said that it's kind of repeating the same thing because it really does have an improv feel to it mm. in the way that if you're in the middle of a scene and you're like scrambling, you can say the same thing six different ways to stretch yourself to like get to the next point until you can come up with something to move you forward so like the fact that they do kind of like just throw out six different variations on the same thing feels very improv to me 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's the opposite of like, oh, um, like Midsummer when well, I think Lysander calls Hermia like a you bead, you acorn, right? Those are those are like very specific, pointed, short and simple, like angry remarks as opposed to just this like, I don't know. I'm so mad. I can't even think of words. I don't know. You're a knave. Also, you're a knave. I think you're a knave. <laughs> I'm very sure you're a knave. And just I'm like, I got no other words. Positive that you are a knave. <laughs> Yeah, um, gosh, it's I really haven't spent that much time kind of thinking about the intention behind insults b- besides, like, the, you know, one sheet that teachers will print out to have their kids yell. Mm. Um, but looking at the characters who are saying them, like, it really does kind of show a lot. The What they pull for insults says a lot about who they are and they're, like, pent up like what's pent up there with their insecurities. Because I think we see a lot of Kent's insecurity um, coming out on Oswald for either the way that he's been treated by Lear or where he, like, he's in a weird state of his life. Yeah. This. Hardcore <laughs> midlife crisis for Kent. Yeah. He's buying and convertibles. So I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I wonder how much of this is uh, like kind of like turned around insecurity for what he's been going through. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, so like if one thing that anyone would know about Kent after reading the play or seeing the play is like, that dude's loyal. That dude's loyal (laughs) AF. Like he cares about Lear so much. And I think when presented with this affront to Lear and Lear's rule, that is Oswald, he just like, he doesn't know how to handle it. He starts almost blustering for insults and just knows he needs to be mad because Mm -hmm. this is outrageous that anyone would would say something against Lear or against Lear's family Um, and he can't be mad at Goneril he can't be outwardly mad at Goneril because that's not like he's not allowed to do that but Oswald kind of feels like the where he has directed this yeah you know it does it reminds me of like a sort of um an unfortunate like random insult occurrence in that so the same way that uh, in Romeo and Juliet, that I had the, how Romeo and Juliet opens with the bite, biting your thumb, right? These two pairs just stumble across each other and we're like, oh, you, you know what? That's someone we're supposed to be mad at. Let's do the biting mm-hmm. the thumb thing. Um, and in the same way, like Kent and Oswald just sort of, Kent stumbles across Oswald and is like, great, this is my opportunity to vent <laughs> frustration and to like sh- finally show my loyalty and and express this anger that I feel towards this character who was rude about King Lear earlier. Yeah. Well, and that's another kind of veer off from Falstaff as well, because when Falstaff has a reason to be actual upset, he can't be anymore. Like when at the end of uh, Henry four part two, when, when Hal, I know thee not old man, like pushes him away. Mm. He has an actual reason to be like, well, hold on. You said things would never change. You, or implied things would never change. Right. Um, that's his time to be legitimately upset, and he has nothing. Uh, mm. That's a strong to... argument, man. That's a yeah. that's a good point because it it <laughs> makes it's where you want him to get. I'm arguing against myself. <laughs> it's where you want him to have a a real insult at the ready. And you're right. He's just, he's stunned and he's speechless. Whereas before he was insulting, but it was all in good fun. It was kind hearted. Right. Yeah. Wow. He's strong. Uh. He's strong. <laughs> well, listeners, 
we want to hear from you. We want to know what you think. Um, do you prefer the 15-minute uh, <laughs> rage against Oswald from Kent? Or do you prefer uh, the tavern-spirited uh, <laughs> false staff? That's it. Um, you can vote on Facebook at facebook.com slash p2mpod or on Twitter at p2mpod. David, thank you so much again for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Yeah, this was super fun. Let people know again where they can find you. Yeah, so I co-host Audio Obscura. It's an audio mystery podcast. You can find it at audioobscurapod.com. Um, check it out anywhere where podcasts are found. And uh, I guess you can find me in the world of conservation science, too, if you are in that world. Sure. Heck yeah. Yep. <laughs> thank you all so much for listening, David. Thank you again for being here. And we will see you all next week. Bye. Serious business.